Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to review the discussion about will, and we're going to see if will is just another way of saying the self, and what we're going to see is that it's not, and then we're going to try to understand how could it be that by Hashem, he and his will are one. Good? Okay. So I have drawn a diagram. Do you like my diagram? Mm-hmm. If you don't, it'll make me sad. Really but they're arranged. They're arranged in a certain manner. Around the self. Around the self. Okay. Now, the way we tend to think about this is that the most external part of ourselves, and this is confusing. I'm going to use the word ourselves generically, and then self to refer to specifically the self. Okay. Um, the, the way we tend to think of the most external part of ourselves would be our actions, yes? Does that make sense? We're all in agreement with that? Actions, the most external yeah. thing? Okay, right? And then if all I know about you is the stuff that you have done and not done, I don't know you very well, right? Speech is external. Relative to action? Yeah. All I know is the things that you have done. You have, I've never heard you say anything. What? No, I'm saying theoretically, if that would be the case. You know about somebody, all you know is what they've done. Like when you, okay, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. No, but that's not true. When I think about you, but it's her I think of what she said to me. Like, but that's what I'm trying to say. If you were a person that all you knew is what they've done, if there, this never happens in real life because um, people interact. But if there was a person, the only thing you ever knew about them was the stuff that they've done. Yeah. You never knew anything they said. How would you know them? What would you know about them? Very little. Okay, so it's more superficial than speech, yes? Okay. So, we're going to label speech number five. Why are we going to call it five? Because there are five things here and those external. Now, what's less external than speech, but still quite external? Sorry, what is the action words in speech, right? That's obvious, right? And then we go to thought, right? Okay. Remember, what is thought? Thought is the process by which you speak to yourself, right? Okay. These are, again, the garments of right? Now, between emotions and intellect, which one is more superficial? Emotions. Why? This is good. Why are emotions more superficial? And I don't mean to say that in a pejorative way, but why are they more superficial? Because they can show. They... Them with your, you can use your intellect to use that. Yeah, but, but if you're, so, for, so there's a few reasons. Number one, the emotions are evident to the outside in a way that the intellect is not. Okay? Another thing is that assuming you are functioning as a human being, the order is your intellect governs the emotions, not the other way around, right? If your emotions are governing your intellect, then there's something wrong with you. You are not in the image that God intended when he said, let us make man in our image, um, which is a problem that most of us suffer from. Okay, fine. Um, another thing is emotions fluctuate based on circumstance. Does your intellect fluctuate based on circumstance? No. 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 So it's something that is much more stable. Okay. Also, this is a somewhat counterintuitive. Which one do you feel more viscerally? Which one are you more able to sense, emotions or intellect? Emotions. Okay, and the rule is experiencing comes from contrast. When do you feel the air? When it's hot, when it's cold, when it's windy. When the air is not moving and it's just the right temperature, do you feel it? No. So you experience things because of contrast. So if emotions are something that you feel more 
viscerally than intellect, that means there's more of a contrast between you, yourself, and the emotion than there's between you, yourself, and the intellect. Good? Okay. And then intellect. Okay. So, and the way of us would experience ourselves is that we would not arrange these like that. We would arrange them in some kind of a hierarchy. Right? If we were to put, say, the bottom is the most outside part of me and the top is the most inside part of me, we would do something like the self, and after the self is the intellect, and then after the intellect are the emotions, and then after the emotions is thought, after thought is speech, and after speech is action. If you learn Chassidus, that order should kind of be familiar, except I'm using the word self instead of essence. Yeah, the kind of hierarchy, right? So why did I arrange it this way? So let's just work very simply. Is it the case, when we talked about this yesterday, is it the case that because something is going on in this space, my intellect, emotions, thought, speech, necessarily means I'm going to act? Is it necessarily the case that if I Let's say I was right now by the refrigerator, the milk finished, I put it back, and I thought, you know, it's inconvenient for them to see the milk bag um, empty. They'll think it's full, right? Okay. Right. And then I thought, yeah, that is inconvenient. And then I closed the refrigerator. I said, wait a minute, that's not the right thing to do. Now, I could have just decided to keep going, right? But then I opened the refrigerator, took out the empty bag, threw it in the trash, and opened the new bag. Why? Why did I do that? Because myself decided to do the right thing, right? Okay. Even and sometimes you can notice that, like you have all the and then like and you're like you have to actually make the decision to do it or not to do it, right? So it turns out that to have the action doesn't really depend on these other things. It depends entirely on the self, self right? Okay. And what do we call that channel? What do we call that channel where the self reaches out? Oh, sorry, that channel's in the wrong place. What do we call that channel where the self reaches out and takes control of whether we act or don't act? We call that the will, right? And Hebrew, we call that Rutzen, right? Rutzen comes from the word to run. It also, the same letters as pipe, right? Because the soul, the self, is kind of running towards this action, saying, this action should take place. And it's like a channel of, <coughs> of self, of autonomy. It's like, you will do this. And then my hand the thing they're supposed to do. Good? Yes? Well, that's so far so good? OK. Right. So basically, it comes down to why did I, so now, if we were to be really technical, why did I open the bag of milk? No, no. Because I chose to. Because I chose to. That's right. Because I chose to. Because all the other stuff could have all been the same and I still could have decided not to. Not to. And sometimes you can even feel that in a moment, right? But can you go further and say, well, why did you choose to? You no, 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 no. Because you were lacking it. No. You cannot, because we are we discussing our are we discussing human psychology for the sake of discussing human psychology? No. No, we're discussing human psychology, and as much as it's going to be a compare and contrast for what's going on with God, right? I know, but you're saying you're saying you chose to. Right. Moreover, moreover, separate discussion. There's something in Judaism called free will. Free will means yeah. that there is no why you chose to, ever. 
right? If there is a why you chose to, then it's not called choosing. That will is determined by something else. If a dog eats food, ready, let's do something different. It's a little clear. If the dog walks over to the food, so that's will, okay? The dog has some kind of a soul that makes its legs do the action of walking over the food, right? There's will there, okay? Why did the dog will itself to walk over to the food? And the answer is? Be no, not because it chose to, because it's the dog's nature. 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 Yes. So, and therefore we say the dog doesn't have a true self, because a true self has this notion of autonomy. It, can, it, it decides whether there's a will or not. That's what we call free will, yes? So if you, right, um, you, you know the only place in, um, where does free will show up in halacha? Free will shows up in halacha in the laws of tshuva in the Rambam. Do you know why? What does tshuva mean? Return, fine. No, you're getting a spiritual. What, like the tshuva, like well, there's a mitzvah of tshuva. What is, what is the mitzvah of tshuva? What is the mitzvah of tshuva? No, 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 no. It's not the mitzvah of tshuva. That's what we did wrong. Nope. That's a mitzvah of vidui. I mean, those, are things, those things make it helpful, blah, 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 blah. No. Saying it in the future, you won't do it again? Saying it? No, not doing it again. Well, okay, but no, because not doing it again is like the future. It's not. It's not saying. Not feeling. Not promising. Knowing. Not knowing. Willing it. Choosing not to do it again. Now, the precondition in order to choose not to do it again is you have to acknowledge that what the fact you did it the first time was because. Right. If I chose, but if you say I did it because of X, Y, and Z, what if X, Y, and Z happen again? You can't do tshuva. The one thing that on a very basic halach level that prevents people from doing tshuva is they actually have bought into a lie that I did Avera X because of something Y. Well, that means if Y ever shows up again, so in order to choose not to do the Avera again, I have to acknowledge that I did the Avera not because of Y, not because of my mother, not because of this, but because, and that's it. Which is why the Rambam says that all of Judaism, especially tshuva, depends on this idea that the will is determined because of the self, right? That's called choice, that's called autonomy, and we don't like that because we like to make systems and explanations, and that kind of just says, no, it's like, to quote um, Harry Truman, the buck stops here. Now, that's all we're going to talk about that. What about speech? Are there times where I could say something or not say something? Yeah. Sure, right? right? Sometimes you can feel that, right? You have what to say, and you're like, I could say it, but I'm not going to. Or, I don't want to say it, but I'll say it anyway. So self-control? Yeah, like, well, self-control, right? What is the self-controlling? It's choice. Yeah, self-control, willpower, right? These are all the same idea. Mm -hmm. And so that's the self reaching out and taking control, right? Over the speech, right? Willpower is the same as self-control. Yeah. Mm. What? I don't know what willpower really means. So don't worry about it. Okay. I, mean, I, mean, I don't. I, I want to. The, 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 there's there's an, there's there's a double there's a double-edged sword with words, which is that if you're not careful with your words, then the ideas aren't clear, right? But if you get so hung up on using the right words, and what words, especially when you're trans, you're dealing with it, with texts that are originally written in Hebrew, yeah. right? 
So, right. So there's a self, right? We're all comfortable with that is. There's your faculty of speech. What determines the end of the day whether you say or don't say something? What you feel, what you think? They're yourself, right? So that power of the self to reach out and say, make yourself say or not say something, that's called in Hebrew, ratzon, right? And we have all sorts of words in English that kind of refer to that same idea, such as willpower, self-control, right? Why is that not choosing, of, what? Why is that not bringing whatever over the heart? I'm not going to answer that right now. Wait. Not that it's not a good question, but um, I'm not going to answer When a person doesn't use their power of choice, that means, I mean, Basically, we're saying that everything a person does is a result of choice, but of course, you do something because of nature. I mean, the choice isn't there, or that it's just. Well, here, but, but, but remember, but, but remember, if if I don't, this marker is staying there because I'm choosing not to pick it up, right? Yeah. Now, but that that could be understood in two ways. It could be simply I'm not choosing to pick it up, right? Or it could also mean I'm choosing to prevent my instincts from picking it up, right? It, but both kinds of things. In other words, when, we, when you're not doing something, there's two kinds of choices. There's, I haven't chosen to do it. So like, you didn't choose to get out and walk out of the room. But there's other things, like someone's upset, and they, they feel the urge to get up and walk around, and they choose not to allow that to govern their behavior. So, so when something else happens, there's active choice and passive choice. But I'm saying there's always choice. But there's always choice. Everything you do is choice. Unless you are sick or a child. So like if you would have, let's say, not thought about that, just automatically switched the milk without even thinking, that would still have been choice. Right. And we can discuss levels of choice. So like subconscious choice? There's also subconscious choice, yes. Which is why, which is why if you do an Avera, let's say you wake up in the middle of the night on Shabbos and you weren't thinking and you turn on the light when you walk into the bathroom, did you sin? Yeah. But did you choose? Yeah. So it is. It's a level of choice. Is it the same as Wait, conscious? You did or you didn't sin? You did. It's a concept called shaygig. Shaygig means it's sitting without conscious right, intent to say. Oynus is different. Oynus is something. Oynus is right, something else. You really didn't choose, right? right. Okay. So I'm not getting. So it, we can make choice to hold this topic, but that's not that's not the key point. Okay. The key point is to understand its relationship with the self. Okay. okay? Not every single thing about it. Okay. Thought, is that clear that thought is the same thing? Like I can really be angry and I can choose not to think angry thoughts or I can be bored and still choose to review the topic, right? Okay, so, so far so good, right? That's all clear? Okay, these are more consciously, we're more aware of these kinds of choices we're at, right? Okay, what about emotions? Do we choose to feel angry or choose to feel sad? So here, here we have to understand is like this. What we have to understand is like this. Every emotion at its core, yeah. Every emotion at its core is a combination of two things that feed into it. One, some intellect. No intellect, no emotion. Everyone okay with that? Or I should explain that. If you have no intellect, you have no emotion. What? We need not talk about sociopaths. Let's talk about regular people, right? It, right? If you have no intellect, you have no emotion. For example, okay? If you stub your toe, do you get upset? Yeah. What? Angry, upset, yeah. Why? 
That's not true. <laughs> um, so you have an interpretation. Yeah. An interpretation happens in your. No, it is, but that's just not what makes you upset. Because, again, the causal yeah. thing, right? We can take the exact same physical pain and you would not be upset in many circumstances. Really? What? What? Let's, yeah. what? Yeah, you would. If, if she, like, punches me, I'm upset because she punched me. I'm like, ow, that really hurts. And now, like, I can't focus because she punched me. In my head. Yeah, yeah, but you're mixed up a bunch of different things in that, right? <laughs> if you're, okay. She's like, oh, what? Okay, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you a very, very simple example, okay? I have a toothache. Now, I've had this toothache for a while. I eventually went to the dentist. The dentist said, well, it's a, uh, you probably need a root canal, but I think I can do it without a root canal, so I'll give you a filling. Okay. Now, and he explained to me what's happening, giving me the filling, the whole thing, wonderful. Okay, now, both the actual toothache itself, which still exists, but it's, you know, he's, and even like the process of getting the filling, they were not comfortable. They're painful sometimes. Yeah. Okay. However, um, emotionally, I feel very differently about it. Why do I feel very differently about it? Because before I went to the dentist, I had this major toothache, so what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen, right? Is it seriously infected? I have the tooth pulled, right? Now, all of a sudden, I know exactly what's happening, know exactly what the risks are, right? The uncertainty of what is going on has disappeared, and therefore, the emotional experience is different. Losing your wallet and having your wallet stolen, you usually have different emotional relationships with those things. Why? Even though the, the fact that you don't have the money is the same, it's because of how you... Right, how you interpret that, right? Now, for instance, let's say a person's intellect is like, whether or not I have the money ultimately is a shkacha pratis, and therefore, as far as my life is concerned, the wall being lost, the wall being stolen is essentially the same. If that is really how your intellect makes sense of the situation, then do you feel emotionally different about your wall being stolen than it being lost? No, okay? If you stub your toe, right? Yeah. And your intellect is very wrapped up in um, that shouldn't have happened, and why did that happen, right? Then you'll probably have feelings of frustration, right? If that's not how your intellect is making sense of that, right? There's not a lot of shouldn't have happened going on in the intellect, right? It hurts, yeah. it's distracting, but like whatever. Okay. Right, so again, pain is not emotion. Yeah. Emotion are things like, like joy, frustration, love, hate, these are emotions, right? Good? Yeah. Okay, so now, so there has to be some kind of interpretation. On the other hand, I actually have to care, right? If I don't care about something, do I have any emotional relationship with it? No. Like, it makes perfect sense to me, like, how something is happening in, like, I don't know, let's, let's say, um, what's something that really, I understand, um, Let's say. That's right. I really don't. Like that's a good example. I really don't care. Right. I have any reasons for why I don't care, but whatever. Right. Or at least three. I, I like to think I have reasons. We're gonna get to that in a second, right? So it's not enough things like you actually have to care, right? Now, where does the this caring come from? What does caring even mean? It's an investment of. No, it's creating feeling. When you you. No. If I feel something, it means number one, not in any order. I, 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 number one, I have to have some understanding of what it is, why, what is it, isn't, should, shouldn't, right? And but the other thing is I actually have to care. What is caring? 
It's an investment of self. That's why you can't make someone care. That's right. So what we call caring is just another form of will. It's not the kind of will, it's not will in the same flavor that you know, moves your hand. But it's the same thing. It's yourself saying, yes, I'm here. This matters to me. So therefore, and this happens all the time, what happens if you're learning something and it makes sense to you and you understand it and you're convinced, and at the end of the day, you live your life as if it doesn't matter. You don't have no emotional reaction to whatsoever. There's the, the ones caught a professor of mathematics and ethics acting in a very unethical way. And um, I said, how could you do that? And he says, well, I mean, just because I teach geometry doesn't mean I have to be a triangle. And what he's basically saying is just because I have something in my intellect doesn't mean there's any investment of myself into the, that that makes me care enough to bring to emotion. Have you ever heard this lie that if you learn about God, you'll love God and fear God? You've heard this lie before? Like you'll study enough of God, you contemplate the greatness of God, and then you'll love God and fear God. You've heard this lie? Why is it a lie? You need that investment of self to actually move from the intellect into the emotion, right? That investment of self, Hasidus calls that ratzon. It's a kind of act of will. It, it's very different than these kinds of will, right? But it only is an investment of self. Good? What about your intellect? You're saying thing. If you don't care about something at all, in any way, shape, or form, on any level, will you ever understand it? Yeah, you can understand Give me an example that you care zero about. Nothing. Not at all. In any way, shape, or form. You know, the, 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 what? Sometimes I'm saying, meaning as a kid, there'll be tons of things you don't care about because you're in school, there's nothing you're going to talk. So, two things. Number one, number one, number one, children naturally care about the world around them, right? And therefore, they learn a lot that way. Number two, children often, um, children, um, in addition to that, often care about approval. And once I care about approval, and if the context of the environment I'm in is to get approval, I need to learn things, that gives me some kind of incidental relationship to caring about the topic. Right. Okay, so... But now take those two things away, children don't learn. Right. You don't learn. You, don't, you really don't learn and you don't understand if you have zero interest in it. If it matters to you no way, shape, or form. Now, it can get quite complicated, right? Because like, I, might, like, I might, you know, care about approval and I understand to get approval then I need to do well in school like, and all this might not even be the consciously thought about it so I ultimately care about the topic and then I find the topic's interesting it can make it very complicated but if you have you can be very very smart and if you don't care about something it doesn't interest you you don't doesn't you don't you nothing to do with it then you will not understand it the same way your arm will not pick up a cup unless you care enough to pick up the cup your intellect will not understand unless you care enough to understand. Now the problem is that one you almost never consciously feel. Well, because you because it, it's very hard to go from not caring about something at all to the point you didn't wouldn't even understand what's going on. Okay. Usually it's to some degree, but sometimes that happens. Okay. Okay. I I, I teach Gemara to Bachra. Do you know who does better in Gemara class? Ones who care. 
better than ones who are intelligent. And, 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 and it's not because they're working harder. That's not, that's not the difference. The difference is that they actually, their mind is intellectually engaged with the class. And if you don't care, your, your intellect doesn't engage, and so you don't learn anything. You don't absorb. You can walk down the street and not, like, there are people, it's interesting, there are people that care about the world around them like little children, and there are people that don't care so much about the world around them like little children. And so, like, I'm more like that. So, like, if you were to ask me, like, where things are in Yerushalayim, I know how to get from the place that I am to the place that I need to go, and that's basically about it. And then there are people that, like, they're in a, they're in a new city for, like, two weeks. They know, like, how to get into all sorts of places. How do they know that? Because they care. Because they care about their, where the, oh, where does the street go? I care. So they, like, find out, right? And that, that, that initially starts in the mind, right? And then there are people like, oh, why is plastic transparent and what not? Like, I don't know. That's really interesting. So like they, their, their mind never even, never even raises the question. And there's some people, like say me, who actually do care and want to know. Right? You know the annoying kids that like ask, like, why is the sky blue? So I was that kid. But they keep asking why the sky, like, they really, really want to know. So what do you have, at some point, like, well, you have to help them figure it out. Right? But so in each in their own way, none of these things function as a result of the previous one entirely, they all ultimately depend on the self taking control, the self reaching out and saying, I'm in charge, turn on, turn off, go this way, go that way. The self running the show, right? That's called Ratsa. Right, but I'm just talking to you about the emotions one. Isn't that channel of choice between intellect and emotions when you described it? No, so there is influence between these things. Yeah. Okay, so what ends up happening, which makes us very complicated beings, okay, is that if I were to draw this out, right, so I have it. If we were to draw all of the influences that are going on, it would look like this. Everything, uh, everything influences everything and in, in, in both ways. Your actions will affect your intellect. Your intellect can even have influence on your actions, not even going through the other things. However, however, here's the rule. None of these things are even players in the game unless the self is there saying, yes, you're involved. And this is how Because if you don't care about something in what we'll call a personal way, then no matter how much you are understanding it, you will never feel anything towards it other than intellectual and academic curiosity. Care comes from the self? Care, so things that we call in English, care, interest, value, willpower, choice, self-control are all just different flavors on the same theme. The self reaching out and saying, I'm here, I decide, on, off, left, right, up, down. Okay, and that's what we call in Hebrew, that basic dynamic that the self can do that, ratzon. Good? Okay. Now, so, now here's the thing, this is what's confusing. Is it true every time you say you want, there is some ratzon in your wanting? Yes. Yes. But what's confusing is not, so no, every wanting is an example of ratzon, but not, not every ratzon. Is it an example of Right. Because if you want, is there not some sense that your self is seeking an outcome, cares about something. So there's an outcome. There's some channel there, right? This is what through. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. Are all, are all kinds of ruts in the same? No. For instance, 
if you want to like start take if you want to start having more conscious awareness of your ruts and the conscious choice, it's much easier to work over here in these two than it is in this one, right? Makes sense, yeah. This one is much harder but more powerful, right? These two, it's like that's already getting into levels of of being of, of depth that very few people live in any really constant state of affairs. Okay? Right. Just for just to flesh this out a little bit, okay? We can make a little divide line here. That makes sense that these examples of Rutzen are far more easy to, to, to have conscious mastery over than these ones. Yes? Okay. So people that have conscious mastery over these two and um, therefore make it all in the relationship with Hashem, we call those people tzaddikim. And people who only master these three, we call those people abenami. So I want to acknowledge that not all of these returns are the same, but they have the same basic principle. The self reaching out and saying, this aspect of the person only works because I say so. and only works in the way that I will say so. Okay? In other words, the self is like a little king over the rest of you. Yes? When you talk about like mastery of intellect or emotions, is that like... The idea of human emotion, and then you start thinking of, okay, intellectually, I know that I'm feeling this way because of this, and then you can like, intellectualize your way out of it. I'm not going to answer it because I mentioned that just as like a throwaway thing. It's not a topic. Okay, so now what I want to ask you, right, so these little channels, right, this is all will, will, will. Do we have a better sense of what we mean when we speak about the will of a Ratzon yeah. than we did a, a class and a half ago? Yeah. I mean, like, according to the class, yeah. yeah when, when the algebra uses the word Ratzon, we know how we get better what he means. I know how to persuade it for this. Yeah, for this. So now I'm going to ask you, does it make sense to say that the will and the self are the same, that the etzim and the Ratzon are the same? Does that make sense? Yeah. I just don't understand the conversation you just had. Will in reference to this, but isn't that will in reference to everything? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry yeah, about it. Don't worry it's about not it. the same. It's not the same. Prove it to me. It's not the same. Because even if you don't have the will to do something, your self doesn't change. That's right. Well, you put it in another way. I want, right? So one thing is obvious. The will changes and the self doesn't change, right? But I want to put it a slightly different way um, because that's going to be a little bit helpful for us. The self is self-contained and the will is a bridge between the self and something else, right? And the reason why I want to point this out is because even if the will didn't change, it still wouldn't be the same thing, right? Even if your will never changed, would your will be the same thing as yourself? Right? Right, because the will is the bridge between the self and the whatever it is. So the will is not the self, right? So now, it's a little bit strange to come and say, oh, Hashem, he and his will are one. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? So we can do the thing, well, God is different, and like walk away, or we can try and understand in what way does it make sense to say that Hashem's will is the same thing as himself. Yes? Yeah. Good? <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. Good? Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
You want to see something like this? This is the. I can I can erase this. Everyone's good with this. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Oh, I want to tell you one parenthetical thing. This file away. Don't ask me questions. Just file this away. Okay. You are gonna hopefully in life learn more Hasidus. You will learn something called, which literally translates as circles and lines. Okay. Just file this information as circles and lines. In Hebrew, it's called igulim and yeshur. Circles and lines. What? The kav is the is the is the original yeshur. Igulim, circles and lines. Now, do you, do you notice how here you put everything in a hierarchy on top of one another, and we think of that somehow action is further away from the self, whereas in here we don't really think of action as further away from the self. Are they both true? Yeah. But this is more of a line, and this is more of a circle. So whenever you see in Hasidus, they talk about circles and lines. We're talking about ta- that things have hierarchical relationships, and yet things can all be equal, equal relative to some fundamental center. Yes? This Kabbalistic language, it shows up in Hasidus a lot. If you understand that, and like, people are like, ooh, mystical. It's not so mystical. It's like very simple. Like, there's a center, and all the things are equal relative to that center, but you could also think of them in another way, right? It comes into, like, not just in what we're talking about. Like in all sorts of areas in Hasidus. Anyone heard of toe and tikkun? Yeah. Which one's oh. Guess. Which one has a nice orderly progression? The hierarchy. Anyway. Alright, that's file that information away for later. If you ever encounter that, and hopefully you'll learn it, a citizen you will, because it shows up commonly enough. Okay. Now. <laughs> so why is the will not the self again? Not the changing thing. Because we want it. We want. The changing thing happens to be true, but that's not good enough. Because if we could find some will in ourselves that isn't changing. Well, the self is right, The self is self contained where the will is. External. It's externalizing, right? Okay. Okay. Now, I'm going to use this as an example, okay? If somebody is going to die, God forbid. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is an analogy, so let's oversimplify, right? What kind of actions will they probably take? If they know they're going to. They're, they're, not they know they're going to die for sure, but like that's what it looks like is going to happen. No, no, I mean, nothing guaranteed. Like, you know, they're in a very dangerous situation. Well, they're gonna... Their life is in danger. Save their life. They're gonna do things to save their life, right? What, kind, what, what is going to be their... What, what, what are they gonna talk about? If talking at all. Beg. What? Beg for help, right? What is going to be... The thoughts are going to be occupied only with... Their, right, the, the, right? Their own mortality, how to save themselves, right? All their emotions are directed only towards one thing, which is survival, survival right? And their intellect becomes extremely creative about how to, how to survive and the importance of surviving, right? Okay. In that kind of circumstance, 
Yes? In that kind of circumstance. If we go a little bit deeper, we say, you know what? The self is not really directing itself at actions or at speech or at thought. But in some sense, it sees those actions as just a perpetuation of the self, right? In a very literal sense, right? If I do actions to save my life, then what am I doing? I'm perpetuating myself. And if I don't take those actions, what's going to happen? You're not perpetuating yourself. I'm not perpetuating myself. So those actions aren't really actions in the normal sense. Like drinking a cup of coffee, just drink a cup of coffee. It's fun, it's enjoyable, it's wonderful, but it's just that, right? Whereas like saving my life is perpetuating self. Okay, so those actions are really just the self. And if I'm pleading for my life, what do I feel like I'm connecting to? Self. Just perpetuating. And what am I thinking about? Just self. Right? Now that's we this is different than oh, you're always thinking about yourself. We're not always thinking about ourselves, right? This kind of thing about yourself is like a person's life is in danger kind of thinking about themselves, right? That's what I mean, like you're, okay? And your emotions, it's like you're having a relationship and you're, you're excited and you're, or no, or it's something, right? Right, in fact, these are why we call, these, these kinds of emotions often become traumatic because they're not like regular emotions. They don't contextualize back into life. So by people who like go through, you know, life and death situations in terms of illness or war, right? They have a very hard time putting what they experience back into regular living, okay? And the kind of, right? You're not, what topic are you interested in when you're trying to figure out how not to die? Yourself. Just yourself. So now what is the will serving as a bridge between? I don't even know if it's there. Is it still there well, I mean, it clearly is, because like, I mean, you, 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 you're acting, you're talking, you're thinking, you're feeling, you're understanding, because you care really, really, really much. So you can't say it's not will, but now what is the will serving a bridge between? Yourself and self. Yourself and right? The will is just a perpetuation of? Self. Self, right? So there's other notion of will, which we don't normally talk about, right? Is externalizing yourself. It's just externalizing yourself. You're not creating a bridge between you and something else. You're just saying, it's just me. More me. Now, not, the problem is, it sounds egotistical, okay? But it's not. Why is it not egotistical? Because it's self-aware. Right, right. When a person, right, if a person's running for their life, right, is that the same thing as, a, as, as, as an arrogant person? No. no, it's like totally different, right? By the way, if you see something else as yourself, then you could have this. Like, what happens if you feel like your children are a continuation of yourself? That would become then, 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 then the same thing happens, but instead of running to save your own life, you're running to save, right? But see, this kind of a will is very different. Whereas regular will is the bridge between myself and something else, there is a notion of will where it's just the radiating out of self, right? It's just self not being contained, self like being an expanding bubble. Now is that notion of will and the self really just saying the same thing? That's saying that the self is, is alive, right? The self is, not, the self is not just like dormant little thing. The self is a... So when we say Hashem and his will and his one, are we talking about Hashem's will to create the world? In other words, let's make this.
Okay. When Hashem has a will for the world, is that will the one with Hashem? Does that make sense that his will will be one with him? And it, yes or no? Hashem has a will to create the world. No. Because what's the world? Is the world Hashem? No. No, it's not. In fact, in Hebrew, what is the word for world? Helen. What does Helen mean? Cover, concealment, right? So his will to create the world is like a will for something else. Is that will really one with him? No. But then, is there a will which is just Hashem perpetuating? Hashem's not one with the world? He is for complicated reasons, not for this reason. Okay? Remember, the problem with the word one is that there's many kinds of one, right? When we say that Hashem is one with something in the way that Hashem and the Torah are one, like the Ram says he has known he has a knowledge, it's not two things that have a connection, but it's really just essentially the same thing. Is Hashem essentially the same thing as the world? That's kfir, right? That means like you're a heretic, you don't believe there's a God who created the world, that means this is God, that's like very, very bad. No. When we say Hashem is one with the world, it has to do with Hashem enlivening the world, the world being bottled to him. There's, there's a relationship. So Hashem, Hashem's perpetuating his own being. That's a kind of a will, isn't it? Yes. But that's not, that, that, that is just Hashem being Hashem, right? As opposed to Hashem's will for the world. How's it different? Because if you have just this will and know this will, what do you have? If you just have, if you just have this, then Hashem has a will for Hashem. Then what, just ha- what, what exists? If Hashem has a will, just like the person, Okay. If Hashem has a will for Hashem, then what do you just have? Hashem. You just have Hashem. Just a perpetuation of Hashem's being in every conceivable... I mean, okay. I mean, isn't Hashem infinite? Is Hashem beyond? I mean, that's, okay. But if Hashem has a will for a world, what do you end up with? A world. A world, and a world is not Hashem. So this will is a bridge between two different things. This will is the per- just Hashem perpetuating himself. So when he say that the Torah is the will of Hashem, okay, this is very important. Okay? I have a marker here, yeah? Hashem runs the world. So the fact that the marker managed to get it on the table is because Hashem willed it to be that way. Otherwise it wouldn't happen. Yes? Okay. Is that will one with Hashem? No. It's not. Why? Because that will is a bridge between Hashem and a particular state of affairs with the marker. Right? It's a bridge between Hashem's being, Hashem's etzim, Hashem's self, and the marker. The will to create the marker is the same thing, right? When we say that the Torah is Hashem's will, it's not that kind of will. What kind of a will is it? You're saying that that would fall under the Hashem's rational for Hashem. Right. Right. It's like when a person is running to save their life, or a person's mind is preoccupied in saving life, their rutzen is directed at what? Self. At their self, right? That my, 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 I'm... I'm perpetuating myself. I'm connected to myself. I'm, 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 whole, I'm wholeheartedly in touch with being myself, which is, like, again, for most of us, most of the time, is that a normal state of affairs? No. So when we say that the, Shem, the Torah is Hashem's rutzen, what does that mean? He really, really, really wants me to put on tefillin? He has a rutzen for me to put on tefillin? It doesn't mean that at all. No, what does it mean? What is the, what, when we say that the Torah is Hashem's Ratzon, what does that mean? That Hashem is really, really being and really connected to being Hashem. That's what it means. Yeah. And being the, and he's being the Tefillin? No, that, that, that's why the altar, if we keep reading, has like a whole question, like what does that have to do with the stuff that we do? Right? The problem that... understand the word, I just don't understand how to do it. Okay. 
Is Hashem, for lack of words, is Hashem into being Hashem or does he like not care one way or the other about being Hashem? If you had to pick between those two. I would assume that God is into being God. Okay, right? No, it's not that Hashem's life could ever be in danger, but if it would, would Hashem be trying to save himself or would Hashem be like, oh, okay, if I die, no big deal. Which one would it be? The first, okay. So that fact that Hashem is, is, is connected to being himself, so to speak, right? He's perpetuating himself. He's, he's radiating being himself. That is a kind of a ratzon. But it's not the kind of ratzon that we normally talk about. The kind of ratzon we normally talk about is the way I connect to... Myself, you're No, the way... Normally you talk about ratzon, I have a ratzon to... You're saying normal ones. Normal ratzon connect to... Your thoughts, your speech. At, right, as, as distinct other things, right? And we talk about Hashem having a will to create the world. We mean that. The will to create the world is not the Torah. The will to create the world is, is like the will to pick up a cup of coffee. Or the will to, I don't know, the will to think a particular thought because it's interesting. Okay. Whereas the Torah is like, more like Hashem's will. Not that, he, not that Hashem's survival but Hashem's will to be himself, his will to perpetuate himself. How does that work in the visible world? It doesn't, which is why that's the next topic the Altar has to discuss. Okay, here's the problem. You have a text this big, right? And you have a line here. What is that line meant to do? Follow from the stuff that we made before and bridge to the stuff that comes after, right? If it takes you three days, four days, five days to learn that one line, but the whole idea is an entire paragraph, or two paragraphs, or ten paragraphs, is understanding that one idea is going to make everything clear, or is it going to actually create more problems? It should create more problems, because if it ever made everything clear, then there shouldn't be another half of the text afterwards. Right. Okay. So when Al-Turba said that Hashem and his Torah are one, I'm like, oh, okay, that's great, that's wonderful. Alter then explains what he means that Hashem is Torah is one. And then that creates a problem because that problem that creates is now, now that understanding of Torah bears no resemblance to the thing that we call Torah mitzvahs anymore. Also, it doesn't make sense how that would work. What, what would work? Like mentally speaking, like the idea of like Hashem, okay, so Hashem can't be his ratzon in creating the world, but he is his ratzon in terms of like creating the Torah and then... No, no, but you, used, you threw in the word creating. Okay, I mean that Hashem is the Torah. No, so in other words, like this. <sighs> okay. The, the takeaway for today, right now, is that when we use the word Torah, it does not mean the thing that you think it means, okay? No, it means God. Torah means God. How does Torah mean God? So it's like this Is God into being God? Is God, like, is he, is he, you know, is he, is he passively God? Is he active? Like, he's really, yes, I am God. Like, and being God is a good thing. Which one is it more like? Into it. Okay. So, what, when, what, well, because we, 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 we have, let me, let me put it to you this way, yeah? Okay. Is God more like a person or more like a rock? Person? Or a plant. That's what we put. Is God more like a person or more like a tree? Person. 
Okay, why? Don't no, 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 be religious. That's not good. That's your problem. See, that's the wrong answer, right? Because a tree is passive. It's just there. Is God just there? Or does God fundamentally, for lack of words, care, alive? Right? He's called Elohim Chaim. He's a living being. Which one? Okay. So, like, the, so, so then fundamentally, that all, like, that all starts within himself. So when I care about something, when I'm doing something, it all comes back to some act of myself coming out, my Ratzon, right? And that all, everything, even if we're not always aware of it, all starts with, with the thing that I care most about is my very self. So there's this notion that Hashem is, is, is kind of has a rutzen. Not a rutzen in the sense that he wants me to put on tefillin. Not a rutzen in the sense that he wants you to light Shabbos candles. A rutzen in the sense that he is, he's not passive. He's not, he's not just there. He not just happened to be there. Okay? He's someone, not something in other words. A tree is something. You know why a tree is something? It doesn't move. It doesn't have a rutzen. It doesn't... Does, so, so, so now, okay, what is the thing that Hashem is really all about it into? He's all about it into what it is to be Hashem. I don't know. I'm not Hashem. I don't know what that is. Okay. That truth about him is just a, what we, what words can we say to describe that? That's Hashem's essential rutzen. But it's not a rutzen for something. In a way that rutzen, when a person wants to save their life, it's not a rutzen for something. It's just, it's them being, their, their, their self coming out. Okay. That, that, now, that is, when we say that that's the Ratzon of Hashem, that's what we're talking about, okay? which is very different than to say that Hashem has a Ratzon that he wills there to be a world, then poof, there's a world. That's a different idea. That kind of a will, that kind of Ratzon is not one with him. Because if he doesn't will there to be a world, he's still Hashem. But if he wasn't into being who he is, he wouldn't be himself, would he? Or think about, a, God forbid, a person whose life is in danger and doesn't care to save himself. Is that person you know, really in touch with what it is to be a person or is there some kind of deep problem there? Deep problem. Not really what? Yeah, makes sense? Okay. So what we've done is we've redefined Torah, we redefined mitzvahs in such a way that they bear no resemblance to Judaism. Because Judaism is books that I open and I read and brachas that I make and film that I wrap. Right. Those are things in the world. Yeah, we're saying it's not. Well, okay, so that's it. Right? Hashem equals Torah. That was the Altarebbe's point, right? And then we said, what is Torah? We're defining this word Torah, right? We define Torah as Hashem's will and wisdom. And we said, what is the nature of Hashem's will and wisdom? Hashem. His will and wisdom. Are his very self in the notion that the Rambam uses. What is the Rambam's notion of one? That it's not two things that come together, but it's one thing that you just have two different names for because you're relating to it in two different ways, right? Yeah. Okay. So wisdom. Right? Is that Hashem sees the truth of things. What is the truth of things? Hashem. Mm -hmm. 
Will is that Hashem is really into being what he is. Which is what? Hashem. So his will and his wisdom are? Hashem. Hashem. Okay, and now we're saying that the Torah is his will and wisdom. Yeah. So now it doesn't sound like Torah is Shabbos and Torah is Tzvillin and Torah is a Siddur and Torah is a Gemara. It doesn't sound like that at all. So much so that that's what Alder now has to deal with. Yes, we've redefined the word Torah so it sounds nothing like what we thought it was. I mean, it makes... Okay. I'm going to use a halachic example for something, okay? And when I'm using a halachic example, I don't want to get into the details of this, okay? But here's an interesting question. If they print a Tanya, can the, and the printers, can the printers recycle the paper? They're like a printing press, right? And there's like a Tanya, it didn't print properly, like something happened to it. Can they take the paper and throw it in recycling? In the general, all things being a halacha question. Do you th- what do you think? Halachically? Yeah, halachically. No, it's going to shame us. What? That's going to shame us. No. Well, what is recycling for? No, turning it into like whatever. Yeah, it's fine. You know why? No. It's not Torah. Yeah. Yeah. Why? No. Okay. What if they print a chumash? You can't do that. With a you can do that with a chumash. It's a debate about whether you can do it with Hashem's name, but if it's just a chumash with just like yud yuds in it, yeah. And the Lakeems, yeah. Why? Why? It's not Torah. Why? Okay, now I can give you I can give you the spiritual explanation. The Lachic explanation is that something becomes Torah when um, when you either when a Jew writes it or a Jew learns it. Printing, printing, printing. Right. Now there's some debate about this, but we think spiritually what we're saying is like this, yeah. It's Torah because it's not is that it's Torah because the Torah is in here. Right? But what point does the Torah get into these pages? Now, what do I mean by Torah? Hashem. Hashem. How does Hashem get into these pages? What? When we learn it or when we write it. But if a machine prints it, is Hashem in the paper? No. So is it Torah? No. Okay. If a non-Jew puts on tefillin, is it Torah mitzvahs? So, you say, luckily, because Hashem didn't ask the non-Jew to put on tefillin, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is because if a non-Jew puts on tefillin, what's not there? Hashem. Because what are we defining Torah as? The thing that we're doing? Torah, by the way, here I mean Torah slash mitzvahs, right? Okay? Because we're using that, we're using those terms interchangeably. Chapter 5 will differentiate between Torah and mitzvahs, but for now we're using Torah and mitzvahs interchangeably. Um, what are we saying Torah is? Torah is Hashem's wisdom and will. But we say, yeah, but his wisdom and will are just different words to refer to his self, right? His self sees himself for what it is. His self is into being himself for what his self is. Okay. That's his very self. Okay, fine. So, so Torah is not a book. Torah is not ideas. Torah is not ethics. Mitzvahs aren't actions or words or practices or items. And not ideas? Either? Not ideas. Or concepts. Or concepts. Or feelings. It's just God. It's just God. Torah is just another way for saying God. The, the, the Zohar that the altar is working on. Wait, 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 we're going to get that later. There's a Zohar which actually says this like really, really explicitly. The altar doesn't quote the Zohar, but it's based on the Zohar. The, the Zohar says, says, Araisa which if you speak Aramaic, you would know means the Torah is God. That's what that means. Now, does that mean this book is God? Does it mean certain ideas are God? 
Does it mean to start practices our God? Which one is it redefining? Is it redefining God in terms of Torah or Torah in terms of God? Yeah. Turns out what you thought Torah was, you thought that's not what they are at all. That creates a lot of questions, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's more to the chapter. Okay. But you ever heard this? Maybe you've heard this idea that is that the Torah was brought down or God gave us the Torah. Mm-hmm. Right? What does that mean? Wisdom part of Hashem. Oh, Hashem is parts. Well, Are you a Catholic? Add, you believe in like some holy trinity? Well, will and wisdom both make Hashem self? No, they don't make Hashem self. Like the Rambam says, what does the Rambam say? Is that there are different parts being united? Or it's all the same thing just being called by different words? All oh, right, so the. So if we're getting his wisdom. Is, um, Tyra, is wisdom. So when we received Hashem's Torah, We received Hashem. By the way, the Medrash says this. The Medrash the says wisdom name. In the wisdom name, which is weird. Like, what does that mean? We'll get to that later, right? Why, why, why? Right. Yeah, yeah, there's all this kind of stuff, right? So the, the Medrash says, like, when, so when you go to the market and you buy, a, you buy something, like a piece of pottery, you take home the pot, not the potter. But when Hashem gave us the Torah, we took home Hashem. We didn't take home a thing. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like, that's what it means, right? Yes, we got his wisdom. So be like, oh, God is wise and he has these deep truths and he shared them with us. No, that's not what it means. It means God picked himself up and said, like, now, boom, I'm over here. And like, what does that have to do with tefillin and, 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 and letters and scrolls and ideas and ethics and, and, and candles? And... Like that, that, that's so an interesting... And then what's the purpose of the world at that point? That's also an interesting question, right? There's a lot of stuff that's got questions, but that's... Question. All we've done is we've just defined... And then the Torah didn't exist for a really long time. No. But then we see that the... The still in some sense. No, the Torah always existed. Because oh, the, the Torah is. The Torah is Hashem, so the Torah is always there. That's why the Torah is eternal. <laughs> Just like physical Torah. You're getting way too much like The Torah is God, so the Torah is eternal. The Torah is always there. The Torah wasn't created, right? Right, so then what's the whole idea of like you were given the Torah, you can't be given the Torah then because it's God. I'm not giving That's the, the next thing the author wants to talk about. How are you, what do you mean God, what does that, what does it mean we got the Torah, right? How does it mean the Torah comes down? God came, like, when we got God, like now we have God, like I walk around. The whole around. idea of like waiting until, until we had Harsinai and all of that stuff, like what, it was always, always there. The revelation, I don't know. Well, that's what we're going to learn. That's the rest, next part of the chapter. But the reason why there's the next part of the chapter is because of the idea. Like if you go too quickly, you're like, yeah, Hashem is Torah 1, blah, 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 blah. You don't, then you don't appreciate what the Altar is doing next. The Altar is, is picking up with all of this. This is like a bombshell kind of an yes. idea. And therefore, yes. now the Altar is kind of pick up the pieces after that bombshell. Yes? Um, is Mitzvah Hashem? Yeah, we're using Torah Mitzvah interchangeably here. Okay. So in chapter why, 5, we're going to differentiate between Torah and Mitzvah. And that's why when you want to connect to Hashem, you either do it through Torah and Mitzvah, because you're connecting to Hashem, because Hashem knows that you're going to Yeah, but I'm still... What? Does it have to be Him for you to connect to Him? So then... So Torah and Mitzvah is the only way, because you're connecting to Hashem, which is Torah and Mitzvah. By doing Torah and Mitzvah... But yeah, but how can you do Torah mitzvahs? Can you? I want you to use this word. Can you? Can you do Torah mitzvahs? Yes. Can you do Hashem? No. So, but if Hashem is Torah mitzvahs, then, then what does that mean? No, like you connect. So then, say this whole or, first part, this whole area about saying like this is how Hashem connects to us, kind of thing. Like this is Hashem. Like that's not. 
correct according to that. Well, no, that's a lower level. That's talking about mitzvahs being like limbs, and limbs already are like Hashem reaching okay, out in a specific so way. In, in terms of garments. That's what we're explaining the garments. So idea. then mitzvahs are garment. That's what we're saying. We're gonna get to that. Yeah. Okay. You're, 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 okay. Right. The, the idea, which we're going to elaborate on, what Daz was going to go to, is that, just, is that the lighting the candle is not the mitzvah. It's the garment of the mitzvah. Yes. Right. And the mitzvah is God. The mitzvah is God. And when you light the candle, guess who's there? God. And if you're not lighting the candle? God's not there. He's not there. Now, eyes and Hashem are worse, so we have to go back to that notion of the light, right? The light that reveals him is there. For a lady, I mean, I don't know what like a lady who's all, like, um, so, this is an interesting question. The, the, the simple answer would be yes. There's room to make it complicated, but the simple answer is yes. Because um, there is a positive mitzvah to be tzniyas. The question is, is it a biblical mitzvah? Is it a rabbinic mitzvah? Um, is, it, is it different Kabbalah? But like there is Sneas is written in the Tanakh Beat Sneas with God So it is definitely goes in the positive category um, So yeah um, there's, there's like some interesting room to discuss About exactly what kind of a category It exactly fits into Because you count the 248 positive mitzvahs Beat Sneas doesn't make it on the list I'm going to the Rambam, like also being holy doesn't. There's a lot. Of, it, it, there's nuance there, but broadly speaking, if I just had to say yes or no, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, you know what's great about the mitzvah of sukkah? That's right. <laughs> what other mitzvahs like that? Mikvah. Mikvah. Mm-hmm. But sukkah's better. Do you know why? What? We could do it here. No, because oh. you can't you can't live in the mikvah. Mikvah you can't you have to leave. You don't have to leave. Right? You can physically cannot stay immersed in a mikvah. Right? You'll die, God forbid. Right? Which is actually part of the point. What? No. If you have a snorkel, then you're not in the mikvah. Yeah. Really? 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 Yeah. Huh? That's the more you know. Yeah. What if you snorkeling they want? If you're in the mikvah with a snorkel, then you didn't do the mitzvah of going to the mikvah. So that's a negative mitzvah, which we're not talking about. Um, but eating matzah. Yeah, but like, you're not eating chumas. Yeah, but not doing is not not doing is not a garment of Hashem in the same way. Now, if, if you want, if you want, yes, there are places in chassidus where even negative mitzvahs can be viewed as a garment of Hashem. Uh, we can make it more complicated, but we're keeping with the basic the way it's described here. That the focus is on the positive mitzvahs. Okay. Now there's a, there's now now the next little bit that Dalton was going to discuss is how do you no, go? Because if you're saying the Torah is Hashem, then you can't compartmentalize like when you said like this kind of mitzvah is Hashem, this kind it's in. Like what? No, because some of the mitzvahs you're right, which is why there are discourses that explain how all the mitzvahs are garments of Hashem. But the way Dalton was going in the chapter for time is a much more simple thing. Only positive mitzvahs are garments of Hashem. Negative mitzvahs is a whole different. Negative mitzvahs are things that prevent Hashem from being there. So if a, if a positive, it's an anti-Hashem. It's like, when you do a negative mitzvah, you are making a space 
where Hashem can't be. So if if they're if they're distinct, it's not a pro- I mean it's a problem. It's not, but one doesn't do the other, right? So like if I'm eating non-kosher food, right, while while like on Shabbos, so I'm not. So Hashem is Hashem is in my Shabbos observance, and the, my non-kosher eating, he is, can't be there. The the problem comes. What happens if I'm what happens if what's called a mitzvah baba vera? I'm doing a mitzvah through a sin in a way that halacha doesn't sanction. Then the fact is, then, then, then that is correct. Then Hashem is not in the mitzvah. Then the sin makes that Hashem can't be in the mitzvah. I have a question that I probably don't want the answer to, but I'm still going to ask it. Yeah. <laughs> is Shabbos the kind of thing that like, you break it once and that's it, it's broken, or is it like broken every second? It's broken every second. I knew I didn't want to know. <laughs> if you break Shabbos once, it's still, you should still keep the rest of Shabbos. Yeah. Why? It's better than that. If you're looking for more opportunities to connect to Hashem. By the way, it's not the other way around, by the way. In terms of the sin of violating Shabbos, it's not necessarily that multiple acts of violating Shabbos count as multiple violations. That's complicated. That was your question. Okay. Right, because there's a positive and a negative element. So keeping is every second that you're keeping, and then breaking it is just... Breaking it, it depends... Pregnant, it depends. Like once you broke it, you broke Chavez? No. No, it's like this. But it doesn't it's like this. Okay. Okay. So, so, so it's like this. If you break Chavez, so let, let's talk about unintentional breaking because that's where the halacha describes it more clearly. If a person, if a person violates Chavez unintentionally, so it depends. Did they not know it was Chavez or they didn't know this was forbidden? Okay. If you don't know that it's forbidden, then every one of the 39 malachas is a separate sin. So like if I cook and I sew, because I, I didn't know that cooking is forbidden on Shabbos, I didn't know sewing is forbidden on Shabbos, then that's two separate sins. Right, but what if like you're flicking on a light and you didn't realize like that you can't do that or whatever, right? Every time that you come in and out of that room and flick on a light, is it its own? That's my question. So in certain respects, it's its own. In certain respects, it's, it, it, depends, it, it depends what exactly you're looking at. But it's always a mitzvah not to turn it off, not, not to flick it. That's always the case. And so, you know, I mean, whether it's good or bad, is it? All right. Does it make sense? Okay, so where we have to go from here is we have to talk about how does the Torah have anything to do with the thing we call Judaism? Yes. <laughs> right. That's that, that. That's what we have to do. Right. We've explained how the Torah is one with Hashem, but the expense of the Torah have anything to do with this thing that we practice called Judaism. What? It's extremely important. Right. Okay. Um. All right. I next class we are done with this. From now on, this is from now on. When we are learning and we're learning, we're talking about the Torah and the mitzvahs as a, as an entity. We're just speaking about Hashem. Hashem. Right? Unless it's clear, right, from the Brazilian Chassidus, that's Chassidus just saying, this is Hashem, and then something weird has happened such that Hashem is somehow here, a part of our lives in some Unless otherwise told. Unless otherwise told or clearly obvious from the use of the word in context. Okay. Right? So we've spent, what is it, three classes to define the word Torah? It's a big word. It's a big word. Yeah, I think it's important to be thorough. Okay, good.
All right. We're not meeting tomorrow, so we're meeting after the break. What break? Oh, wow. Yeah, a break?